Welcome back to Cognac and Conspiracies. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jade. All right. And we are back with another episode. Um, and it is my turn this week. And I guess we'll hop right in. We're Cognac Conspiracies on Instagram, cognacconspiracies at gmail.com. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed those episodes, <laughs> that plethora of episodes that you got. It <laughs> fucked up our algorithm, but you know, I had yeah. to upload them all at all at once because the what happens is it messes with your listeners when you first upload an episode because like it, mm. it's going to show zero people listen. Yeah. So then your listeners drop and then they have to come back up. And I'm like, damn, not me dropping at times like two or <laughs> But they're all up in there. So hope you guys enjoyed the little extra episodes. Niggas probably said it wasn't extra, bitch. We didn't get them. Right. <laughs> well, now you got it. Well, now you got it. All right, cool. I hope you guys liked it. So it's my turn. And I'm going to talk about the murder of Demita Smith. Danita, sorry, D-N-I-T-A, Danita okay. Smith. Um, mm-hmm. So this took place on uh, January 4th of 2007. So this is more so like a more recent case. Um, so Danita Smith was a 25-year-old college student. She was actually a grad student, and she lived on campus in Durham, North Carolina, and she was currently getting her master's at North Carolina Central University. So um, from what people say about her early life, um, pretty normal, everything going going as planned. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like I said, she was a master's student. She had got her bachelor's and a master's, just kind of like everything's going uh going how she wanted it to um she did not have any children but she did have a boyfriend her name his her boyfriend's name was Jameer Stroud so they met actually in college and they dated for about six years and everybody said that they really liked Jameer like he was Mm -hmm. by all accounts a really nice guy um her parents liked him everybody thought he was cool even her mother and parents said that you know you try to find like you know you you're very hard on your your kids spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends and things like that but even they said there was like there was nothing like he he was cool um so he worked as a police officer in north carolina so they actually did start doing a long distance relationship when she went to grad school and he went to the police academy um they both were in north carolina but he was yeah he was in greensboro Mm -hmm. um and she was um in durham and i've been to north carolina but i don't quite know how far that is but from what i've gathered it's about 90 minutes Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not too of, far. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. long distance. It's But they didn't live together. Yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, but you can make did. it work. Like, on the weekends, if you stayed the whole weekend, it kind of mm-hmm. will make it make sense. Yeah, it's not like you have to take a flight or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. So, um, on the morning of January 4th, um, there was a another resident, and a call was made to the police because a resident by the name of Corey Smith was leaving his apartment, what he said was to go to work, and he saw Danita on the bottom of the steps. And he couldn't tell, like, what was wrong with her, but he could tell that she was unconscious, and then he gathered that she wasn't breathing, so of course he called 911. And I even saw some say that he even thought maybe because it's like a college campus that she may have just been drunk yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, so he called the um, he called the nine one one dispatchers, and it's 
crazy because you can hear him on the 911 call being like, hey, like, he's like, baby girl. Trying to get her Yeah, he was like, baby girl, wake up. I was like, yeah, not going to happen. So, yes, he calls the 911 dispatchers. They dispatch the um, the uh, police and the ambulance to them, and then they do pronounce her, Danita Smith, dead on the scene. And they actually are able to tell that she had been shot, like one single shot, in the back of the head. The guy couldn't tell? Like the guy right, couldn't, that's, that's he couldn't my, tell that? No, he couldn't apparently. He couldn't tell. What? And I'm like, maybe there wasn't blood or I don't know, but he said he didn't know. Like he just saw her or, on the, at, like clearly what? whatever happened to her happened probably when she was leaving her apartment and then she, she fell. fell. Stuff? She fell. And so he couldn't, I don't know. He couldn't tell. He said, he thought maybe she was just, he didn't know what to think. That's is what he said. Weird. That's weird because you would. I mean, I don't know how it works, but wouldn't you think that like if she got shot um, in the head and then like the bot her body like fell down the stairs, there would be like a trail of blood or something. You would think. Or if, what? Or if, floor did she not to be that person? But, like what floor would she live on? Because like every apartment I lived on, the stairs are kind of zigzaggy. So it's like half a flight of stairs, a landing, and then half a flight of stairs, a landing. So maybe she lived on the first floor. Maybe they did have like just a straight. You know what I mean? Like, most of it goes, like, it does, yeah, it does zigzags. Yeah. So you, like, it'd be, yeah. But, yeah, maybe she was on the first one or the second one because, I, I, to answer your question, I don't know which floor she yeah, was on. Yeah, yeah. But she, I'm assuming the first or second floor. Because or maybe, or maybe he found her on the landing. Yeah, I said maybe she was on the second floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he, um, he said he couldn't tell. I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or what, but, like, yeah, he said he couldn't tell, and he did not know that she had been shot until the police came and, I guess, examined the scene and said she had been shot. I guess maybe mm. he didn't look. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, so he said he, did, he, he didn't know that. The police came, and, of course, they're going to start immediately looking into what has happened. So they start talking to her family. They start talking to, because, of course, the person that you go to first is going to be the boyfriend, right? Yeah. Jermaine's trial. So they talked to him and basically asking the same thing that everybody always asks. Does she have any enemies? Is there anybody who will want to do this to her? Because clearly this is intentional. Like yeah. it's like an execution style murder, right? Or they thought maybe it was a robbery. But the thing is, Corey Smith, the other resident, was actually able to identify her because he picked her, her belongings were like in the stairwell. And he picked oh. up her wallet and, and said, he even said on the 911 okay. tape I, I have her wallet her id says Danita uh-huh. smith so he was able even able to identify her because her belongings were in the hallway strewn about i don't know how he didn't know what was going on but hey i never been in a situation like that like, just to say Corey didn't have nothing to do with it yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, no, I, I don't doubt that for a second so maybe he was in shock and who knows right because i feel like maybe he did think she was drunk and he didn't want to flip the body because i don't even know if i would flip a body over unless i thought they were breathing i don't i don't know right i'm you, not touching it yeah, so maybe he just he thought the same thing. Maybe there was blood underneath, but he was like, "It's just not my place to touch it." So yeah, no, no blame on him, but that's that's crazy. So yes, they they bring um, Jermaine in for questioning. Um, Jermaine basically says that he doesn't know anybody who would want to do this to her. She's, you know, everything is regular at this point. That was his fiance. He had proposed to her. Um, so, uh, he was like, "No, I don't know anybody who would want to do this." Um, and you know don't really know what to tell you. They let him go. They have no reason to think otherwise. Um, and around that time, 
they actually got a call like when they put out the what you call it not a blast i'm in work mode e-blast <laughs> Maybe they call it a blast too, but I know they what you're might, talking about. They might call it a blast. But when they put out the is. word to say, like, does anybody know anything about this? They get a few tips in. Um, so another, they said that this was the maintenance man. And the maintenance man, his name is Michael Hedgepeth. And he said around 8, 10 a.m., he actually heard a gunshot and in the stairwell. And saw a woman leaving the scene running away and she drove like a burgundy it was like a burgundy truck so he saw her ran, run oh, away wait, he saw a woman running away from the scene of the yeah car, from the yeah okay. from the from out of the stairwell uh-huh. he saw her running and i'm like this nigga must be white because he said he got in the car and followed her yes he followed this person who you're maybe suspecting just shot someone yeah so he follows her and then pulls up beside and, and he said that she was fleeing the scene and she looked like like she was like covering her mouth like she looked upset like oh my god what just happened type of thing so between the gunshot and the way she was looking and everything's happening he was like i should follow her. i wouldn't have followed her i would have got the license plate and went about my business yeah but he followed her and he approached her and said do you know like did you hear a gunshot and she but i don't think think at this time that he was thinking that she did it i think maybe he was just thinking like neighborly maybe like hey did you just hear that but i still wouldn't but that's still really weird like i think i would have like like i don't know if i heard a gunshot outside my home i probably would call the police and then the next day if i saw my neighbors out i would ask them that but if I saw my neighbor like go to work or do whatever after, like I don't think they, but I wouldn't follow them to like the IRS building and be like, oh my god, did you see like to their place of work and be like, did you see like the the gunshot? That's a little weird to me. Yeah, it, that's that's quite that's actually pretty weird. I mean, she he did, and he she said yes, I heard it, and he basically asked her, um, you know, did you do you know anything about it? She said no, I don't know what's going on. And you know I'm I'm afraid of guns and things. I mean, most people would be afraid of niggas mm-hmm. shooting. So she basically was like, "Yeah, I don't know what's going on either." And he described her as a tall black lady, and she was driving, like I said, a burgundy SUV, like a burgundy truck. And so that was kind of the end of that interaction between the two of them. But then, obviously, once the police came, because yeah. her other um, her other resident did end up finding her in the stairwell. Then he started to put two and two together and was like, oh shit, like this is weird. Like what is going on here? Because you know, they think bringing out the yellow tape and everything like that. So he's like, oh, okay, I heard this gunshot. So he did go to the police and tell them about this interaction that he had had with this woman. So if we're going back to Jameer, when Jameer was in the police um, station for questioning, they're asking them questions. They're like, okay. And then I just like on a whim because Michael Hedgepath had told them about the woman that he encountered in the apartment complex. They asked, they said, do you know anybody by chance who drives a burgundy SUV? And he was just kind of like, oh man. Like, and so he named a woman by the name of Shannon Crawley. So he knows a woman named Shannon Crawley who drives a burgundy SUV. I feel like like what? I feel like it's a it's a not to say, I feel like I think I know what's about to happen because unless Shannon or whatever her name is lives at the apartment complex, how do you happen to know the person who happened to be there running away or maybe like I said maybe he 
isn't aware, but I think if police, like I said, if I convince my sister to murder someone, maybe, I'm not saying that's what happened, if I convince my sister to murder someone or help me with it, they're like, oh, do you know a woman who drives a blue Tesla? I, she don't drive a blue Tesla. But they ask me that, and I'm like, yeah, I do. Why would I say that? Because that's just so, or unless he genuinely has, like, no involvement, but that's weird. Well. Or a mistress, maybe that's a mistress, but. Yeah, you got it. Okay. So Shannon Crawley, the reason he was a little bit not, I don't know, like, I guess. If someone brings you in and it's like, oh, your fiance got murdered. Do you know mm-hmm. anybody who would want to murder her? Even if you have a mistress, you don't think that they're going to do something like that. But also, so Shannon Crawley. Shannon Crawley was a single mother of two. And they had been having a relationship kind of like on and off again. Mm-hmm. Like I said, him and Danita had been dating for six years. So they had been having kind of like an on and off again race relationship. And at the time of the murder, according to both of them, they had not been in a relationship for over a year at that point. So their relationship had ended. Mm -hmm. And the reason that the relationship had ended was because she, I guess he got her pregnant and then he told her straight up, I don't want to have a kid with you. He got the other one pregnant? Yeah, he got, yeah, follow me here. He got Shannon. Yeah, please. Yeah, he got (laughs) Shannon pregnant. He got Shannon pregnant. And not his fiance, his mistress. He got his mistress pregnant and told her straight up, I do not want to have a child with you. Like, please get an abortion. She did end up getting the abortion, but I guess that kind of stained their relationship a little bit because she was just, (laughs) he said, yeah, that'll do it. it." Yeah, right. (laughs) That'll do it. So they had not been in a relationship or messing around for a year, but he was at one point cheating on Danita with Shannon. Mm. And apparently after that, he moved on or whatever. He proposes to Danita. But Shannon kind of like started stalking him, according to him. Like she bought a house right down the street from where he was staying. She started going to his church. Like she started just like popping up everywhere that he was. And he was kind of like... Okay. Oh, well, you should probably call somebody. Like, you probably should have reported that. But also, like I said, that makes a little more sense because when she, like, oh, like, he knew the woman, it was weird because I remember you said they didn't live together. Mm-mm. So, like, how would she know the, the address of um of his fiance? So that was a little weird. But now that obviously she's like a stalker, that makes mm-hmm. sense. She would have stalked and, you know, yeah. and found out. But... And, he, and he would go back and forth because in some of the, like, you know how you stay at your, like you said, on the weekends, you might stay at your partner's mm-hmm. house or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he, but, yeah. yeah, so he, I saw an interview where she said that she had been in the house before. So that makes sense. So yeah, he's yeah, a big old cheater. So yeah, that's that why sense. she knows where the house okay, is. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. But why wouldn't he report? I guess, you know, people think, some people think it's very cute uh, to be with someone who has like stalker or like abusive behaviors. But why would you stay with someone if they, like I said, bought a house next to your house, was stalking you actively? Like, those types of things, like, need to be on, like, a police radar or at least a family member needs, somebody needs to be aware that, like, you have a stalker, like. But I feel like that is kind of, like, that's kind of, like, a gendered thing, too. It is a gendered thing, yeah. I don't think that men take that very seriously. Like, dangerously. Yeah, women take it very seriously. Yeah, I'd be in danger. Yeah, if I found out that, like, an ex or somebody or someone, like, was a side piece or whatever, they had moved, like, in the same community or, like I said, um, blocks down, I probably would stay somewhere else until I had some type of restraining order. Because the fact to go through the home buying process... Just right. with the intent to be close to somebody is crazy. An apartment, sure. You sign the little documents, you move in. That's still weird. Whatever. It is weird, but I'm saying it's a bit. It's a lot easier to sign a lease and be in the building 
the home buying thing is like you had to do a whole slew of like a month of work yeah. just to live by it. Versus an apartment, you can show up the same day, sign it, be there at the end. Like in an hour, you probably can rent an apartment. Like Yeah, and apparently she was like living way beyond her means. To be there. To be there. That's yes, crazy. to be close to, be yeah, close that's, to him. That's insane. But yes. That's literally insane. She, the bitch ain't even have no furniture in that bitch. Yeah, like I said, probably the gender things like that. I don't think that men or someone would probably, you know, unfortunately, someone might not take him serious if he goes to the police department. It's like, I have a stalker, it's a woman. They'd be like, oh, her, like five feet two, you know what I mean? But well, she like, was five ten. That was a big lady. Oh, yeah. But no, I would have. Oh, he said she was tall. She yeah, was she tall. Was yeah, tall. yeah, yeah. But I, I would have contacted somebody because that's really scary. Yeah, I don't think he did. Um, I didn't yeah, see that scary. on any other reports or anything like that. I, it was just him saying like, yeah. This bitch is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because she, the, th- the thing was, she didn't really do anything. Like, I mean, she's allowed to buy a house and she's allowed to go to church. But it's kind of like this thing where you're just kind of like, I know what you're doing, but I can't quite prove it. But I know yeah, what you're doing yeah. and you're being mad weird. But yeah. she never was violent towards him or towards her. As a matter of fact, Danita didn't even know her. She didn't even know she existed. Even up until her death, she had no idea that he had cheated on her and all this other stuff. She had no idea this woman even existed. So she never approached him. She never approached them. She just was being weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yes, when the police officers asked him, he's like, yes, I do know someone who drives an SUV. Um, you know, gave her a name. Her name is Shannon Crawley. They bring her in for questioning. Um, and she basically says that. You know, she has nothing. So, Jameer's alibi is that he was at home sleeping when the murder happened. Okay. And that's not like an airtight alibi. You know, anybody could say they were at home sleeping because he, you know, police officers, they work weird shifts. Like, you do night shifts or oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, so at 8 o'clock in the morning, he was still asleep. Um, and when they bought in Shannon, she said that she didn't know anything about it. And that she actually had to take her son to a dentist appointment. So she had taken her son to a dentist appointment and then she had to go to work. And she actually, funny enough, worked as a 911 dispatcher. Um, and that's actually how they met Shannon and Jameer. The yeah, mistress okay. yeah. That's how they met each other because I guess they were doing some type of training and exercises mm. and they just got to flirting and, Interesting. And, and they liked each other. So she said that she had a dentist appointment with her son and then she went to work. They let her go. They let everyone go. Everyone's in the dark here. So they start looking into everything. And then when they start looking into Shannon, um, another tip comes in that from a co-worker of hers that actually says that he sold her a gun a few weeks before that. And the gun was from the same family. I think they said it was like a 38 revolver mm-hmm. from the same family that, because, you know, different guns have different bullets that was used to kill her. And so he was like, I just want to come and tell y'all this. I sold her good. a gun. Yeah, good yes. on them. And, but the, the gun was, the, the sale was like totally legal, which is, I guess is why he came forward and was like, mm-hmm. I ain't do shit wrong. Yeah. But I'm just saying, y'all connecting everybody and I know she has a gun. Yeah. And, but she had told the cops that she didn't have a gun and she'd never owned a gun because she was afraid of guns. She saw, told so many people she was afraid of guns. She, she was like, I don't have a, I don't have a gun. And, that made the police be like, okay, you're allowed to have the gun. You have, like, I guess a permit, and the guy who sold it to you, everything was copacetic, basically. So why why lie? If well, you have a gun, you have a gun. Because she shot someone. 
Because I feel like she shot someone. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, she probably was afraid of guns until she wanted a gun. Because I feel like maybe she really just wanted... The, well, I'm not trying to condemn this woman. Maybe she didn't do it. But if she had got the gun, she might have got the gun with the sole intent of doing that murder. And then she was just going to keep it in a drawer or something. Like, maybe she really is scared of them. But she was so desperate to get rid of somebody that... Well, so they bring her back in and ask her more questions as they do. So I'm like, nah. I'm like, anytime the police bring you in more than once, you already know you. Oh yeah, right yeah, absolutely. If they keep bringing you back, they call you, you in trouble. Man, you in I trouble, know that. Baby. Like, if I been called twice, I'm getting a lawyer. I'm lawyering up because yeah, I'm gonna stop talking. Exactly. So they bring her back in ask her some questions and because she told like they didn't caught her in a few lies at this point they actually got a warrant to search her house and so the man who said that he saw her um fleeing from the apartment michael hedgepath who was the um you know the the maintenance man at the apartment he said that he didn't remember he couldn't identify her in like a lineup and he couldn't identify like her face or anything like that but he did know that she was a tall woman black woman and he said she had on a very distinct coat like a coat with patches on it like a patchwork coat bitch why you wear a why you wear a patchwork coat to go shoot somebody yeah so she had that on and they said that they went in the apartment and they didn't find too much but what they found they they got a search warrant warrant for her apartment and also a search warrant for her car and the car they found gunpowder on the steering wheel which fucked up her story about her never owning a gun or Mm. never anything like that because it's like what gunpowder doesn't appear out of anywhere um out of nowhere and they also found a coat that matched exactly the, the, description. the yeah what he described the coat that she he saw a, the woman a distinct leaving. coat a distinct ass coat yeah, bitch. that's I'm like sorry. wearing neon blue to I'm go sorry. commit a murder and she drove her own car to commit the murder and it was like, her, she car. Drove right. her yeah. car and it was her car yeah so at this point they have enough to arrest her yeah. on this suspicion murder. So they go ahead and arrest her. Um, she does get out on bond. I think she had a hundred, like a hundred fifty thousand dollar bond or something like that. I don't know how she got out, uh, but mm, I guess you could put your stuff up for collateral, like your family, like your house or whatever. Oh, to collateral. get out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if your family like owns a house or something, then mm. you can put it up for collateral. So she was out on bond. So she is arrested, gets out on on bail. And then she eventually ends up coming back to the police office, police office on her own accord with a lawyer, bitch, too little, too late. And basically saying that, saying she, that she, I have a confession. <laughs> with her lawyer. Yeah. Yes. With her lawyer. Yeah. She comes in and says she, she has Cause it's over. <laughs> well, she, oh Lord. Okay. Just continue. She comes in and basically says that the person doing the like the person doing the stalking was actually Jermair and he was stalking her and he forced her into the car that day. And that's why she was at the scene of the crime. And when they, did asked, what? they said he basically forced her to, she basically said she tried not try to, she said that he was abusive. He was controlling. Okay. He used to beat her ass. And he basically pulled up and was like, yeah, get in the car. Drove to the apartment. Like, they went there a few times. You know, he would hit on her. And he would also hit on Denita. Mm-hmm. It's, it's her story. Let her tell it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she said that day, he forced her into the car. She said he, he showed her the gun on his hip and said that you need to get in the car with me. Now, my thinking is, why? For what? Like, if he's about to commit a murder, why would he... 
take you with him. I don't know. I but, don't get that either. But like, just being an accessory to the murder, like he just she, wanted an accessory. Let her tell it. I feel like he's just having a liability, like committing a murder, just bringing like a ride along. Mm-hmm. But like that's that just makes it like worse. Like you have a literal witness now. Like if she flipped, like as she's trying to flip right now, like why would someone do that? But I guess if he was abusive, maybe that's the thing she's saying that. He forced her to take the rap for it or whatever. Yeah. So she's saying he was abusive and he, you know, got her in the car and all this other stuff. So they go down there and she said that she didn't know what he was going to do. But she said, this is her story, that when she was out of front of the apartment, um, she, I guess, maybe got out the car, didn't get out the car. It's a lot of convoluted stuff. But she said she heard him and Danita arguing and she heard the gunshot. And that... And that's when she, she went, and yeah, her. that's why she was running because she was like, "Oh shit!" Like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, so she could kind of, according to her, she could kind of gather what just happened, but she didn't know. So she said she went to the car, and he got into. But mind you, Michael Hedgepeth approached her, followed her, and approached her in the car, yeah. right? And so he, she said that what happened was he hopped in the car. She went to get in the back seat, but the back seat was locked. So he hopped in the back seat, and then she got in the in the driver's seat, and that's why she was driving the car. Doesn't make sense to me. That's her story. It also makes sense how the gunpowder, like how close to the shot would she have had to have been for her? Well, you would have had to somebody with gunpowder on their hands would have had to touch the wheel. So I guess what she's trying to say is that. It was him with the gunpowder on his hands that touched the wheel, not me. Okay. Yeah. That's when I'm. Uh huh. You said right. <laughs> I'm like they didn't fingerprint the vehicle. Like no. guess her fingerprint. I don't know, man. Okay. I don't know how gunpowder works. I don't know if it's in, in the prints, but they also never found said gun. The coworker, they only know she had a gun like that because said, the coworker yeah. came forward and said mm-hmm. I sold her a gun, but she must have threw it in a lake. In a tra- yeah. yeah. So they never found it. But, um, so she says she hopped in the, in the driver's seat, she's driving the car, and that's when Michael Hedgepeth approached her. And they asked him, I said, you see anybody else in the car? He said, no, there was nobody else in the car. She said that he was in the car, but he was crouched down in the back seat, and he was, like, kicking, you know, kicking the seat while she was talking to him. Because he's asking her, did you hear a gunshot or whatever? Said that he crouched down and was kind of hitting the seat, kind of like, hurry up and wrap this up mm-hmm. so we can go. But Michael said that he didn't see anybody else in the car but her. Yeah. So now it's he says, she said. I think he would have seen the whole... Well, unless they were really moving. It sounds like Michael, whatever the guy's name is, it sounds like he saw her from his perspective. He saw her run out, get in the vehicle, and go. Like, he didn't he see, the, saw him he didn't see the switcheroo. He didn't see any of that, right? Nope. So I, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't see any of that. Um. So, well... Yeah, so um, that's her story. And the police are just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, yeah, got you. Um, she came with her lawyer to and say of course, that? Like, girl, the waste my time. Yeah, she came with, like, legal representation to say that shit. And it's like, bitch, you have a trash ass. Your lawyer didn't tell you this shit don't sound right. <laughs> but I guess it's a last-ditch effort because it's like, bitch. Yeah, it's what you, I mean, mm. <laughs> I guess. So, as you can imagine, she's already been charged. Yeah. Um, she does end up being found guilty. We'll just jump to that. So, they go to the trial. Um, she tries to run Jameer's name through the mud, saying that, you know, he is abusive. It was him. He's framing her. All of this extra stuff. And he basically is like, yeah, he wasn't really received, obviously, very well because... He was a cheater, but a cheater does not make a murderer. 
So it's like people didn't like him necessarily, I guess on the jury or, you know, when this case was, was unfolding and just basically like this nigga ain't shit, you know, he doing this, he doing that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he ain't shit, but that don't mean he killed his fiance. Like he just was trash. And they even said that the thing, the craziest thing, I'm like, ain't that a bitch. They're like the thing that might have set her off because people are like, so what was the motive? Because if they had not been in an intimate relationship for a year at this point, what was going on that made her escalate to this I can think too. Point. Yeah. So first off, people think it was the it was the the engagement. That's why I think so too. Because I do. That's what I was gonna say. I feel mm-hmm. like she lurked in the shadows. Even though technically had not been together for a year or whatever, I feel like she lurked in the shadows and yeah. she watched her basically have what she thought was owed to her. Because after she like gave up the baby and all that stuff, I feel like she knows they probably are not gonna have children. And I feel like that that that's a lot. I feel like that probably set her off. Or if the girl was pregnant and just it wasn't public information, that also might have set her off. And they planned on having the baby. Danita. Yeah. Oh, could have been, but I don't. I didn't see that. Yeah, I feel like no one said it, so it probably wasn't yeah. true. But if maybe y'all know, she just thought with the engagement that they would have kids down the line. So yeah, like I mentioned earlier, they had um, she joined the same church as them, which he even said he was like, okay, I didn't really think. I mean, I knew she was pressed over me, but like mm-hmm. people are allowed to go to whatever church they want to go to, so whatever. But he did say that. They got engaged and came to the church. The theory, one of the theories is that she saw, you know, the engagement like firsthand and she had never like, it's so creepy because she's looking at Danita and him, but Danita doesn't even know who this bitch exists. Like, so yeah, she was looking like, oh, word, y'all engaged now. Okay. Watch this type of thing. And I'm like, that is so creepy because... I feel like she, she was, didn't even know who you are. She, yeah. like, she had no idea that this man was even cheating or had cheated. And then to think about her last moments, I feel like she was shocked. Like this woman you've never seen before never seen is just standing in the stairway with a gun. Who even knows what the altercation was, right? She might have said some stuff like in the moment about like, I don't know. I'm coming know. to you as a people woman. Say they're, yeah, people <laughs> say their whole piece um, before they murder people, but that's crazy. She probably was like, bitch, who are you? Who even are you? Like, yeah. well, I've never seen your face before. I've never. That's so scary. That's yes. so scary. Isn't it scary? Yeah. So yeah, she knew her. So yeah, the theory is that that engagement really set her off and was like, she was like, oh, okay, like I got something for you. And like you said, maybe the altercation went left. Maybe she just went there, but I don't know why you bring a gun someplace if you're not planning to shoot somebody. To me, and most people who own guns, if you bring a gun someplace, then you yeah. you want to use it. So if you were just coming to, to be talk. like, I'm coming to you as a woman, your nigga was cheating with me, you wouldn't have bought a gun. Yeah, no, she brought the gun. Yeah, and she yeah. had bought it. It was premeditated because yes. she had bought it like two weeks prior. And it seems like, like I don't doubt that she's lying about being scared of guns. But I feel like the minute she needed one, she like changed her attitude. So I feel like it kind of makes sense with the story that she saw the engagement started planning and harping on this, bought the gun, and then planned out how she was going to approach it. Because maybe she knew, like, oh, like I said, she stalked him well enough. She might have known that it was, like, his off shift. Like, she might have known the exact, like, that he wouldn't be home, no one else would be home. Like, it seems like she almost knew her schedule. Yeah. Or she just had lurked for a while. But it seems like she knew the schedule well enough. I mean, I she, I think she did know the schedule because she was sneaking around being a no-good mistress. Yeah. So when you know you the mistress... People will say flat out, like, my girlfriend's not 
going to be my girlfriend works from this time yep. to this time or she not she the schedule yes she knew yeah, the schedule. so she would know a schedule yeah, exactly where she would be there or where she wouldn't be there exactly if she's been in the house before. exactly so yeah they both ain't no good they aren't they ain't no good yeah, that's wild i feel like he had to like apologize to the family and stuff like that after the fact like how awkward that he has to like basically like you know like still you know, um, it's fucked up that she murdered him, but I feel like he still has to owe, like, owes an apology to the family, because it's kind of, like, his doing, like, he hates, she hated Danita for something she wasn't even, you know what I mean? For she something she was, of. yeah, she wasn't aware of, but wasn't in the wrong for, and he, what is it, she was unaware that affair was even going on, or that she even existed, so it's kind of like he owes the family an apology, because it's his doing that ended up with her, her death. Yeah, he, um, I mean, I think the family still, him and the family still, not a good relationship, That's but. Weird. I guess they're very forgiving of them. Cheers. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Shout out to them. She even said, um, Shannon even said she bought these tapes. Like, I'm like, this bitch is a sociopath. She bought these tapes to court basically to prove like, oh, he, the abuse story and that he knows the murder. So she bought these tapes to court basically of her having a phone conversation with the man Basically saying, like, oh, you better not tell nobody. And just, like, things like that about mm. what you can infer is the murder, right? But when they tried to trace the calls, first off, they couldn't trace them. They traced it to a payphone. And then second off, with the voice recognition, it wasn't his voice. Not her trying to stage evidence. She tried That's to... That's illegal. Like, isn't that crazy? It's so weird. It's so weird to me in, like, almost all these episodes. People commit murders, and then they do weird things thinking they can, like, hoodwink their way out of it. But the thing is, like, when you're sitting in front of a judge or you're, like, police are investigating, this ain't their first trial. You're not the first person to ever commit a murder and try to cover it up. These people do it day in and day out. You think that they can't tell a fake phone call? I said, with that guy... Like two months ago, trying to set the crime scene. You think this is their first murder case ever? Like people really be doing something that they can out out what out think the police. I feel like if I ever, I don't plan on committing a murder. But I feel like if you commit a murder, like your best bet is either like running away. Um, you have to like burn the body, or like the minute the body, you have to either burn the body so the body's never found, or you have to literally get up and leave, or you have to turn yourself in. I feel like the idea of, I don't know, man, you have to really be real sleuthy about it. I think that in like the newer times, I feel like that with the technology they have, I think it's very hard to go with murder. I think everyone who got away with like 11 murders, they did that shit in like 1955. I don't, I really don't think it exists anymore. I think with so many cameras around and the technology, I think it's very, very hard. You have to really, like I said, you either have to get rid of the body or get rid of yourself and disappear. So... Yeah, I agree. Your your best bet, and it's like we sound like a bunch of sociopaths. Your best bet, if you're trying to get away with murder, is like that. Not let anybody find that body. Don't let anybody. That's find what I'm saying. You have to. You can't just leave a body in the stairwell and expect yeah, to get away with murder. You can't tell us. That's Said you can't tell a soul. Like you have to literally have this joint planned out. They like suppose I leave work at 8 p.m. It takes me 20 minutes to get home from work. I have to do this joint in like 30 seconds or have to have an alibi. Be on the phone while murdering. So I have an alibi and then I have to like burn or dissolve the body so there's no body mm-hmm. and you have to never have contact to that person. Like so they check the phone or they're like, well you're the last person to talk to her in three. There's all there's all types of stuff like. Mm-hmm. There's like text messages. I feel like everything. There's a record of everything nowadays. Yeah. So we, it is, and and they actually were able like, and it's like, once you get the lion, they get to catching you. Yeah. Because she said, because she lived in, I she said that she had never even been like she was like, oh, I wasn't like near her house or near this or whatever. But of course, now we're talking about phone towers. The phone towers were yep. pinging. See? His phone towers were pinging where he said they would ping. Hers were not. 
And so it's like if he put you in the car and drove you here, you be with. You would be the story together. Work. And it's not yeah, and, and, up. and that's how they get a lot of people. They mm-hmm. get a lot of people like that. So I don't know. Like I said, they have so many security cameras. I said they'd be like, "Well, we see you leave your apartment complex or whatever, and you didn't come back till one, and you didn't take your son. So how you go to the dentist appointment? Like they like it's yeah. They called the dentist. Ooh, that's what I'm look, saying. I'm going in a roundabout. Let's go back to the dentist. They called the dentist and they said that she did not ever See? show up for that appointment. And also, she was two hours late for work that day. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like it's you can't. I don't know why people think they can get away with murder. I mean, I guess there's like that sh- show, that Shonda Rhimes show, that got people thinking they can, but you cannot. You can't. They ain't no Annalise Keaton though. They're not. And, you, and, other than you, and that's a that's a made up TV show where like everything aligns perfectly. They'd be like slithering through the houses and stuff. Like it's, it doesn't work like that. Like please, give me a break. Oh man. So um, as we can probably gather, um, Shannon Crawley, um, she was found guilty of first degree murder in 2008 for the shooting of Denita Smith, and she was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And the only I'm like I guess a little bit of I know what I fucking believe that's a little bit of conspiracy like her the families there's people who think that she's telling the truth about him being abusive and basically coercing her into com- mm-hmm. committing this murder I don't know how you could think that when like I said we have cell phone towers we have text messages uh, we have eyewitnesses accounts that say that nobody else was in the car but her mm. um he but her her family mm-hmm. believes it but i guess i would expect them to believe it because that's her parents or whatever but at, at a certain point you have to just know when to hold them and when to fold them and it's like your daughter did this she did it i think for me it's like I, I fully believe she committed the murder, but I also do think it might be up in the air if he did coerce her or mention it. But like I said, I don't, they can't find like phone records or text messages or anything to corroborate that. Then it kind of to the, you know, to the plain eye, it seems like it's a lie. But he could have coerced her like from far away, right? So just because he wasn't at the scene of the crime doesn't mean that he can't send text and suggest that, you know, well, we'll have this life together if... Um, if you murder her, because I feel like, what is that, like, the Gypsy Rose story? Like, she basically convinced um, her boyfriend to kill her mother, um, enticing him. Well, I think that she never thought he would do around. it. She, he did it. Oh, my bad. Yeah. No, he murdered, wait a minute, he murdered the mom, right? Yeah, but he, she was telling about the mom's abuse. Yeah, that's what I'm he saying. He was like, I'll kill her for you, and yeah. she was like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I feel like, like, he can kind of say, like, oh, like, she's awful, like, I'm stuck in this dead in relationship, like, I could be with you if she just isn't in the way, and kind of, like mentally manipulated this woman to thinking that on the other side of the murder there was this like great life with him and things like that like if they could find text messages or like a friend or someone to corroborate that sure but until any type of evidence you know comes forward it does kind of put her in a he said she said please because she did obviously she did commit the murder so sorry yeah it reminds me like you said the gypsy rose joint did you watch that hulu show i never did no i didn't oh, do it it was kind of weird to me i'm sorry it that's no it was weird as fuck did you watch the documentary no it's all just really weird sorry oh. it's all just a little too weird for me i'd be i'd be deep diving in the truth yeah that was just too weird that was really like that it's that's weird as fuck 
It was just a little too weird for me. Yeah, it was just a little too weird. And it was weird because, like, I don't know. I just seen the clips of her, like, in the past, like, how she would, I feel like the mom, I guess, dressed her up like that. And she would kind of talk kind of, like, babyish. And I'm like, maybe that's, like, a mental thing. She didn't know how old she was. Because her mom kept her like that. But I'm like, that that's weird to me. Like, how much, like, psychological manipulation you can have to, I was like, this is a little, like, I guess it kind of scares me <laughs> a bit. So I, I'm just not going to touch it. Yeah, she didn't know how old she was, Gypsy Rose. Quick sidebar for Gypsy Rose. Um, she didn't know how old she was. Like, she was, like, 19 and her mom was telling her she was like 14 she had no and she did not know like she was like okay you know oh god why would you think your mom's lying to you about how old you are so yeah she was manipulating her to be younger because she didn't want her to grow shit that this what's it called munchauser syndrome munchauser Mm. by proxy yeah when you try to make other people sick for attention it's a whole disease, but that's that shit is fucking weird as hell. Like people really be making that. She had whole ass surgeries and whole time nothing was wrong with her. Yeah, I heard that that she had all types of stuff done yes. to her. I was like, oh, that's crazy. And she would shave her head. She didn't have, bruh. It was wild. Was she on like medication and stuff too? She was on medications. She told her she had cancer. She told her she couldn't walk. She could walk. Yeah. But she made her sit in a wheelchair. Yeah. I think they got like Disney trips, like trips to Disney. Disney trips. They got a house. Yeah. They got a trip to Disney because you know what what they call that? Um Make a wish. Yes, make Make a wish. wish. They got a thing and then they lived in New Orleans doing Katrina. So they got a a whole new house Mm -hmm. free of charge. Like she was just getting all types of wild ass shit. Meanwhile, her daughter was a regular fucking kid. She did not have cancer. She did not like nothing was wrong with this girl. And she would shave her head. She's wilding. Yeah, I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it it's almost like that because it's like, girl, like, what is going on over here? Like, yeah, no, it can't. You can't be in the way with murders. So yeah, but they they say they're like, oh, that he. I don't know. Even if she did commit the murder, that he's the one who, like we were saying, basically convinced her, or she was coerced, or mm-hmm. she was abused. She's a better woman, that type of stuff. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't. I think, think she was just crazy as fuck. Yeah, that sucks. I don't think anything like, like said to kind of prove that or support that. So it's kind of hard to just like believe her. I mean, like I said, you can kind of damage his character the fact that he was cheating. So obviously, he does not have perfect character. But at the same time, I mean, there's nothing else to to add to the idea that like he's a, a murderer or someone capable of that. Right. But the thing is, he said, and the thing that makes me think he's just kind of like, okay, this sucks. Like this is going to be embarrassing. Like you said, for me. Um, because she has passed away now and I feel really guilty or whatever, but he came forward. He volunteered that information. Mm-hmm. He gave them that information. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah, didn't yeah, find yeah. out. So I guess he just basically like, all right, everyone's going to find out I cheated. Fuck it. But at this point, the murder is more important, obviously. So he volunteered that information and came forward and said, Hey, I've been cheating with this yeah. woman and she's a little bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And she drives that type of car. So I'm just going to give y'all that information. And I guess whatever backlash I get is what I'm going to get. But I didn't kill anybody. Yeah, that's what I thought, though. Because, yeah. like, when I said, I originally thought it was funky that he would just lend that information out. Like, oh, yeah, I do know someone with a burgundy car. Mm-hmm. Um, If he had been associated with it. So, yeah. I don't think he did it. I think he, yeah, I think he 100% was just like, yikes. Um, I knew the bitch was crazy, but I didn't know she was that crazy. And at this point, like any normal person, it's like at this point, what matters most is trying to figure out who did this. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. So I guess if I got to be ran through the mud because I'm a cheater, I guess I'll just I be ran so. through yeah, the mud because I'm a cheater. 
I'd rather be a cheater than a murderer. Yeah, it's more important to just find the the killer. So I feel like I said so. That's crazy. You think she? You think he has something to do with it? I don't. I don't. I don't think there's anything to support it. Like maybe if evidence comes out, like I don't know, a year or two or whenever about it, I would consider it. But there's nothing to support. There's like not even anything that makes like my brain even able to like comprehend that. Like there's nothing to support it. So like. And her her family like us not likes him, but her family doesn't believe that um Danita's family doesn't believe he had anything to do with mm-hmm. it. Basically the only person who believes Shannon is her mom it's and her. daddy. Okay. <laughs> it's her Well that's her unfortunate. <laughs> so Alright, well yeah. That's the end. That was a good episode. That was uh, very, very riveting. Thanks. <laughs> Have me on the edge of my seat. Right, because when I first started reading it, I thought he did. Me too. I thought he did it. <laughs> yeah. I thought he did it. And then I did, um, I'm going to be honest with you, I did think that he might have coerced her. But like I said, there's nothing to support it. Like, I don't, I don't doubt that. But I think that, yeah, there's nothing there. I feel like I can't really, it, I hate to believe it, but I do think that he is kind of scotch-free. Because in the beginning, it's like people say, it's always the boyfriend. Or it's always the husband. But it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't. So It reminds me, but when you said about like, oh, oh, you're going to have a good life or whatever. Do you know like that, um, what's her name? Amy Fisher. Mm-mm. Long I was It was a little, I mean, she was like a little, not a little, I mean, 17 to me is a little girl. She was a little girl. She's 17-year-old. Somebody's husband was fu- fucking with a 17-year-old. And the little girl showed up and put one of one in his wife's head, shot her, and put, yeah. like, rang the doorbell, the wife opened the door, shot her in the face. And she was just like, what the fuck? Like, she, same thing. She had no idea. She's like, even what, existed, even, what yeah. even is happening right now? She lived, by the way. The wife lived. Yeah. So um, it reminded me of that. And I was like, yeah, people be crazy. People just be crazy sometimes. People do. People but do. He, was, she, he probably sold her a dream. Like, he did. Oh, and she's 17. She's 17. She's naive. Yeah, yeah he probably did say, oh, well, I'll divorce my wife. And she said, well, I'll get rid of her. Boom. Like I said, they, they tell that whole sick, sad story where he's like, oh, I, um, you know, I hate my wife. I live such a miserable life with her here. If she was gone, I'd be so much happier. And the six, 17 years old, I bet. But, <laughs> I got you. Right. I can fix that. Like <laughs> She was like, I'm going to fold her right quick. I'm like, God damn. Like, At least I'm glad she survived, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, she survived. And um, they actually stayed together for a little no, while. No, fuck that they shit. They stayed together, and she believed him because she he was basically like, same type of thing. He was like, all right, I'm a cheater, but like I didn't. But then as time went on and things started to come out, she was like, oh, you're a wild nigga. Like, yeah. I got to go ahead and exit stage left. But yeah, she survived. She said she's the girl knocked on the door, and she asked her some type of weird question. And then she was like, okay, whatever. And she closed her like a little neighborhood kid. Mm. And then she knocked on the door again and she opened again. She shot her in the face. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it reminds me of that. So I'm like, yeah, sometimes shit be going on. Like, it's it's very scary. Because I'm like, imagine walking out your house and I'm like, some random person is like, I'll beat your ass behind your girlfriend. I'm like, I didn't even know she was cheating. What's going on? Man, I said, I'd be hot. Like I said, I would not be forgiving. What'd you say fuck me for? Right. <laughs> I would not be forgiving to anybody. All of y'all can go to hell. She didn't believe her that he said, basically, like, I don't know what she's doing. She's just a crazy young girl. I saw her was to my, come on now. And then it, of course, it came out. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't born yesterday. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the end of the episode, y'all. I hope y'all liked it. Yeah, it was very good. All right, cool. So we're cognacconspiracies at gmail.com. We're cognacconspiracies on Instagram. I will double check and triple check to make sure this episode gets up when it's supposed to get up. And I hope y'all enjoy. See you later. Bye. Bye.